0: Humour poultry in the league but go bonkers in the cup. Heidelberg make it five wins in a row. Will talks to the FFA Board of Directors and we celebrate goalkeepers in hats. Ladies and gentlemen, it's episode 13 of the Semi Pro Potty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 13 of the Semi-Pro Potty. Uh, William Chambers, your host as always, joined by about 800 hundred kilometres to my left, Branson Gibson. How are you, mate?
1: I'm doing very well, my man. How are you doing?
0: Very good. Um, Look, we've got a lot of football to get through, but obviously you were in the uh, sunny shores of Adelaide over the weekend. What were your thoughts?
1: Uh, I was. I did quite enjoy Adelaide. I'll be honest, I wasn't there for too long. I think I got a bus, went over to the City game, I think I spent something like 18 hours, of bus and, sorry, 18 hours on a bus and only about 12 hours in the city itself, but I mean hey, it was a lovely Sunday and quite enjoyed it.
0: Excellent. Yes, I'm, uh, so I'm over in Adelaide this week, as you may have heard this week, we released the Marcos Flores interview earlier, so I'm sitting at my parents' place with a dog, cup of tea, basking in the sunshine, um, but you know, Branson, we do it every week, let's kick off with the kit bag segment. What are you wearing this week?
1: Well, this week I have gone back to the international thing, or sticking with it, and I'm wearing the kit of Suriname, a South American country. It's quite a nice little kit, in my opinion. It's a white kit, it's got a bit of green and red, sort of, uh, I don't know, wavy stripe it's sort of called, a, a gold star in the top corner as well, you know, paying homage to the Suriname national flag there, so I... Uh, I quite like it. I think it definitely ticks the uh, the unique box. So, big fan of this kit. It's also manufactured by a manufacturer I've never heard of. Oh, go uh, on. K e l m e. So I don't know. K
0: e l m e. Kelmer.
1: Kelmer, kill But it's got a dog paw. So I've never heard of them. Are you but... sure
0: it's? Are you sure it's not produced by Gabriella? Kill Oh, that's really bad. Yeah. Oh, that's
1: so uh, bad. No idea who it is, but. Uh, I think it's a pretty cool kit I'm a bit of a fan of it So Quite like it And It looks good What about you mate What are you wearing Tell me all about it
0: Well I actually thought That I had a whole lot Of football kits That I'd left back home But I found out that dad Has given them away To the salvos
1: Oh really I
0: have like six or so Like some of my favourite oh. kits That I had stashed in There's was like Oh yeah Gave it to the salvos And so oh. I'm like Absolutely gutted So I think tomorrow I'm actually going to go Shopping for kits But I had to panic I bought, brutal. It's so brutal. Like, so, genuinely some of my favourite kits. I think there's like a Chubby Alonso Liverpool oh. kit. It's like the third away kit. And I'm like, why would you throw that out, you Burke? Um, <laughs> but this morning, I was going to wear the Marcos Flores kit for the, the, um, the interview that we did this week. But
1: yeah.
0: Liverpool supporter this morning. There is no way in hell I'm not wearing a Liverpool kit for this week's kit bag segment. It's a recycled kit that I've worn in previous episodes, but it is the uh, the yellow and sort of red away kit from the 85 Cup Final, I believe it is, um, that we liked very much when I had it on. But, I mean, Branson, what are your thoughts on, on Liverpool today?
1: Uh, well, I, for those who don't know, I am like an avid Barcelona, uh, sorry, not Barcelona, Liverpool non-fan. You know, I'm so disinterested. In Liverpool. So I, mean, I don't even think it's that impressive. I mean, Roma did the same thing in the Champions League last year. So you're just another Roma. I mean, get out of town. No, no good. I'm not having any of it.
0: I mean, I just, I love how you find out of a 4 0 win some sort of negative spin to put on it. But, you know, well, I'm, I'm proud of you, Branson. I mean, you... I'll mean,
1: i just chime in. So, like, <laughs> you know, I, I I don't like Liverpool and they just do a great job of finding new ways to irk me, you know. So on the weekend, company scored and I was like, yes, there we go, cop that Liverpool. And then they backed it up with winning in the Champions League. I'm like, oh, great, of course they did. Of course they did. Yeah, so they, makes it makes it hard to dislike them. But, you know, I'm not buying into the hype. But anyway, anyway. We
0: go on about Premier League in the early part of the episode, then we jump out of it very quickly because, my God, we've got a weekend of results both in the NPL and in the FFA Cup this week. So, um, Branson, do you want to just quickly run us through the uh, FFA Cup results? Because there was one game in particular that had absolutely everything we want out of the FFA Cup and semi-professional football in general.
1: Yeah, well, there were some crazy results. So, obviously, the FFA Cup, uh, Round 6, it's still going on at the moment. There's some more games tonight, but we're looking at the... Tuesday night games in particular, so the results that we had, Brunswick City went down 2-0 to Werribee City, then the Eltham Redbacks eliminated Pascoe Vale, uh, tied one all after extra time, the Redbacks ended up winning 4-3 on penalties, I think the Redbacks are in State League 1, so Paco bite the dust there, so that in itself is a a surprising result, but uh, the probably the highlight game I reckon would be the Heidelberg four Hume City five absolutely bananas. It's a totally
0: game. seesawing battle, wasn't it? I think it was that Burgers had to grab the lead back.
1: Yeah, like, well, they yeah they led. I think they led two 0 Then Hume City tied it. Then Heidelberg took the lead. Well, Hume didn't lead until uh, extra time, and even I think it went into extra time at 3-3, and then Heidelberg scored early on, and then even in extra time, Hume scored and ended up going on to win it. But um, huge result for for Hume City, obviously disappointing for Heidelberg. Uh, they've had some pretty good FFA Cup success mm. in the past, but, you know, not this year. Well, I was looking at Heidelberg as well. We'll get to the game that they played
0: this week, but, you know, there's they've been playing with such sort of aggression and intensity that I was like, there's a the team in the NPL that could take it to a couple of the A-League teams in pre-season, I definitely put Heidelberg in that in that category. So, you know, to see yeah. them bailed out at this stage is look as entertaining as this is a little bit heartbreaking because I reckon they could have taken a couple of scalps with them if they got further in.
1: Well, yeah, potentially. I mean, I totally agree that they look like one of those outfits that really could take it to those A League franchises. So, a little bit of a bummer there, but I mean, great result for Hume City. I mean, superb for them. And now they get that chance to go in and, you know, make the national stages and, uh, well, hopefully make the national stages. You've got to win a couple more, but see, uh, see how far they can go in this tournament.
0: Yep, Uh, we had Kingston City, they lost to Bentley Greens. Um, Look, if league forms anything to go off of, not a shock at all, but it was a bit of a closer one than I think Bentley Greens probably would have wanted.
1: Yeah, I think it was just sort of a bit of another, you know, not uninspiring, but unconvincing Bentley win, you know. But they have got a lot of injuries, so I think it's sort of, you know, they just sort of got over the line. They win and they advance, but, you know, unlucky for Kingston. But the last result was the Waverly Wanderers went down to Langlois and they lost 6-2 there. But plenty of FAFA well, interesting FFA Cup results there. And, you know, we've still got more results to come again tonight and throughout the rest of the tournament. So we'll see how, we'll see how it all takes shape.
0: Some great football, some great scenes. But, I mean, look, returning back to the NPL, um, you know, the sort of spoke about Heidelberg going out against Hume City in the FA Cup. But on the weekend, uh, they were quite rampant against uh, Port Melbourne. It was one game that I thought would be a really good sort of match of the round, but, you know, it was probably a 2-0 to Heidelberg. It's, it's not like a, an absolute hammering, but um, oh, it was just a... A big drama of penalties given in that in that sort of game. So look, going through it, you know, it was a pretty quiet first half. I think all games this week actually had a pretty quiet sort of first half.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely a trend.
0: Yeah, there was a good save from Theodoridis to keep the score nil nil. Um, but you know, Jack Petrie opened the scoring for Heidelberg. It was absolutely Vincent company the shit out of a shot. So just left his boot and stayed hit hit the back of the net before the keepers had any time to sort of react to it. Um, so that put them. Put Harderberg one nil up, but then sort of in the second half, Symes has come out and gathered the ball, and he's sort of looking around as to where he's gonna he's gonna release it. And I think it was Cahill was sort of standing around him, doing that classic striker thing of loitering yeah. near the goalkeeper. And yeah. Symes has lost control of the ball, and for mine, if you lose control of the ball, there it's because the striker's knocked it out of your hand. But the referee didn't give a free kick to the the goalkeeper, and then Symes, yeah, go on. Watch.
1: Yeah, to me, it sort of looked like he was going to roll it out and then, like, he he wanted to try to stop himself from rolling. Yeah. And then, but, like, when he tried to stop him, he'd already sort of committed too much to the action of rolling. And and to me, it looked like he sort of lost the handle of it.
0: Yeah, Rather than
1: it was knocking out. But, you know, really hard to tell. And as you said, the referee... What, referee
0: said play on? Yeah, referee said play on. I mean, like, you're not going to call it in this thing, but then what happens is when he loses control of the ball, he just assigns his rugby tackles Cahill in the box, gives away <laughs> a penalty, and cops a yellow for it. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, it's it's not a bad one. And I do actually like they changed the rules where, you know, I think maybe like five, ten years ago, that'd be a red card or something. They'd be like, you know what, you've, you've yeah. got the double, you've got the double um, sort of punishment there of giving away a penalty and going down a man. But I think, you know, just give him a yellow, that's fine. Then Cahill steps up from the spot and probably one of the weaker penalties we've seen all year and it's saved by Symes. So this really calamitous moment in the second half did nothing to the game, like, in terms of (laughs) there was no one sent off, there was no goal scored, everyone just kind of went about their business. Um, So it was pretty funny. Um,
1: Symes did well, do you know, make up for his mistake there, so full credit to him (laughs) for that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, But look, the second half kind of went through... um, Heidelberg, they never really looked like they were in too much trouble, um, but they took to the ninety fourth minute to seal it. Obviously, Port Melbourne were pushing for an equaliser, which they would have probably not deserved. I don't think they deserved to win the game. I don't think they deserved a draw. Um, but you know, Heidelberg did leave it late. Um, they just had a panoply of chances in the second half that they failed to capitalise on. But you know, it's another it's another win for Heidelberg. You know, they're just playing really well, and next week they're up against Avondale and. Coming off the back of five pretty impressive wins in the league. Um, Coming up against top of the table, Avondale, I think that's going to be a spicy one.
1: Well, that's going to be an absolute cracker. And the interesting thing, you know, sort of leading into that as well is, you know, the factor that that FFA Cup result will have on that, you know, so Harderberg going to extra time, so, you know, more minutes in the legs and then a, 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 a relatively disappointing loss as well. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they can bounce back from that, Avondale have an FFA Cup game as well. They play Preston Lions tonight, so
0: mm. that I mean, will not be a pushover either. You know that could that could yeah. go the distance.
1: Yeah, so I mean, at the moment, you know, you'd say advantage Avondale, but that could very easily change tonight. But mm. I mean, we'll see how it goes.
0: On the topic of Avondale, Branson, you have a look at Avondale three Altona Magic. Neil, talk us through that one, mate.
1: Well, following on with the trend that you mentioned for the Heidelberg, whoops, sorry, the Heidelberg game, a very you know, intense first half. Uh, this one fit that trend quite nicely. It was a real tough start to this one. Very intense first 45 minutes. Uh, it was pretty physical, you know, a lot of hefty challenges, you know, sort of flying in there, a lot of, you know, a bit of afters, a bit of push and shove, you know, so plenty of spice in this one. They weren't really, you know, in the first half, not a lot of clear chances at, at either end of the pitch. But I'll be honest, I did think that, Altona were the better side in the first half. You know, we haven't been able to say that. You know, for Avondale that they've been outplayed many times this year. But you know, watching the first half, definitely thought it was advantage Altona. Like they just looked more threatening. They looked more likely to score. Uh, they had one one shot that uh, Chris Oldfield had to make a good low save to another long range effort that just crept over the bar. Uh Avendale were made to defend well. And, I mean, to, to their credit, they held f- firm. Uh, there was a couple of plays, you know, as well from set pieces where they were able to clear their lines. Uh, a couple of defenders as well did a good job of charging out and blocking shots. Uh, but, I mean, to be honest, Avondale they really sort of struggled to generate a lot going forward in the first half. I mean, I'm not too sure exactly what it was. I mean, it, it, to me, it sort of looked like the movement wasn't quite there and it's sort of like things it sort of looked like things were maybe a little bit forced mm. at times but they really didn't have you know a whole lot to, to talk about in that first 45 uh, and then, then in the second half they actually found themselves very lucky enough to trail for the first time this season. Uh, Oldfield was forced to make uh, another great save uh, from a corner I think there was a free header top of the 6 yard box and he just made a superb reaction stop and you know uh, Tip top effort to keep it out, but it was a huge missed chance for the Magic, I thought. And you know, as we've seen with Avondale this year, if you don't take your chances, they're going to really, uh, really punish you. And Altona were punished, so you know, they missed that chance. I think shortly after they were reduced to 10 men for a second yellow card, and then that was the beginning of the end. I think it was only two minutes after they went down, and uh, Avondale opened up the scoring. Stefan Zinni. Uh, opened it up, volleyed home, a bouncing ball in the area after Altona, you know, failed to clear their lines. And then from there, it was it was all Avondale. Altona were cooked. I mean, that didn't look like scoring uh, Zinni netted a second. And then I think he got a penalty right at the end with the last kick of the game to net his hat trick. But overall, I think the scoreline in this one's, you know, a bit misleading. Altona would feel, I reckon, pretty well. I mean, they played well and they had Avondale you know, contained in that first half, uh, but they really sort of shot themselves in the foot, though. I mean, like, that missed chance from the corner and then the red card, and then it was pretty, you know, pretty game game over from there. On the flip side, though, I thought for Avondale, um, it's a good result for them. You know, the first win in what is a tricky set of fixtures for them, so... I mean, they did well to sort of overcome that adversity that they had in the first half. And in the end, a good good three points for Aberdele keeps them six points clear at the top of the league.
0: Yeah, totally. And we're starting to get to that midway point of the season as well. And, you know, every game that they keep on winning, it, it just... It's more and more impressive because they're going to start going back through teams now. They're going to start playing yep. against teams for a second time. And, you know, if they can sort of have the rub of the grain against teams, but we've beaten them already. We know we can beat them again this yeah. season. You know, it gives them a lot of momentum.
1: And And... And the last thing as well is, you know, teams are sort of looking like they're a lot more prepared when they face off against Avondale. Like, you know, because Avondale have this reputation of being, you know, super fast starters, and a lot more teams look like they're prepared for that. So, like, I think the good thing for Avondale is teams are already trying to figure out ways to beat them, and they kind of Mm. have figured out ways to stop them, but Avondale are finding a way to win regardless. So I think that's a big credit to them.
0: Yeah, so I'm and sort of talking about that thing of slow starts. It was a, it was a real trend that I saw across games this week. I had a look at the Pasco for AL1, Dan Thunder game. And, yeah. it, like, for mine, that just felt like a first-round match. You know, like, first week of the season where, you know, first touches are going awry and passes yeah, are, are, are missing right. and everything. This game just absolutely felt like, you know, we were 10 weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it just took so long to get going. Um, there were... Lots of good chances created, but they were ultimately just wasted. Um, yep. You know, there were sitters from pretty much straight in front. There was, you know, good balls in, poor touches, shots going high and wide, and it was just a really, really scrappy sort of first half. But, you know, in the second half, you know, uh, I think for Pascoe Kieran Dover and Cabello, they, they came off the bench. They did a lot in, in, throughout the entire game. Um, for down on thunder though, you know, Skopets and Barnes, they were probably the standout players. But it was just this weird game where it, it took till the 90th minute for the first goal to go in. Yeah. So, yeah. So in the in the 90th minute, Bartels um, he scored for Pasco Vale, and you know, running around celebrating it, just screamed at a smash and grab. But then in the 92nd minute was Messi-esque from Cavello. It was an absolutely beautiful free kick, up and over the wall, curls in. Um, and it just, like, it, that was the game. Like, seriously, the, the, probably you could probably watch the last 30 minutes and get some entertainment out of it, but for the first 60 minutes, it was a borderline pointless game well, hang on, it was not a pointless game because each yes, team was a, got a draw, point. Yes, was a draw, yes. um <laughs> Even
1: draw is technically not a pointless game. There yes. you go, good pick
0: Yeah, sorry for that one, everyone. Um, but it was just a, a meaningless first 60 minutes and then the following 30 minutes were kind of a little bit more entertaining, but it was just like, just watch the last five minutes ultimately is really oh, what you had to do.
1: Well, the other thing, like, I was watching this game because it was on the Friday night, it was one of the games I was watching, <laughs> um, and I was really nervous because, you know, the week before on the potty I said, oh, will, mate, how good has it been? You know, 70 games, only one nil-all draw, and that came all the way back in, you know, round one. And I'm watching this game and going, oh, no, I've mentioned it. Straight away, Friday night, there's going to be a nil-all draw. But then, yeah, that last five minutes, you know, Paco taking the lead, and then Dan and no equalising, you know, that was bananas.
0: Yeah, it was really, i look at just, absolutely, if you look at the sort of context of the game around the table, it just helps neither team, really. You know, I think Pascoe are in 10th and... Dan and Thunder and Knights, so you know they've just got a draw against each other, and they're sort of around about the same point on the table. So it was there was not a lot to talk about in this game, but you know, like I, th- I think there were some good performances there, particularly off the bench from Dover and Cavello and, and Scapeta and Barnes. You know, they stood out sort of in the in the latter parts of the games, but not much more with that one to talk about. But there was another one-one on the weekend. Branson, uh, Melbourne Knights. I'm going to say a surprising result. Oh, won against Kingston City.
1: One. Yeah, well, definitely surprising result. I mean, well, came into the game, you know, thinking, you know, this would be well. Obviously, it was a home game for the Knights as well, so I came in thinking, you know, this would be a good chance for them to, you know, just win and keep keep pace with the uh, with the teams up top. But it didn't turn out that way. But I mean, early on, it looked like it was going to be like that. You know, the Knights got off to a pretty much a dream start. I think Gian Albano opened the scoring within two minutes on the Knights' first attacking trip into their... Oh, sorry, first trip into their own attacking half. So, like, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't get a whole lot better than that, you know. minute and a half in, early goal looked great. Um, and, you know, from there, I was sort of thinking that it would be a bit of a walkover for the Knights, you know. Go on from there against the Kingston side that we haven't seen a lot from this season and, you know, sort of running out, you know, 2-0, 3-0 winners or whatever. Uh, but Kingston, you know, haven't seen a lot from them, this season in terms of, like, inspiring performances or, or, or something that indicates that they're going to be anything better than, you know, a bottom three side. But they did show something this time I thought I was actually a bit impressed with, and they earned an equaliser. I think it was about midway through the first half. Uh, Max Etheridge uh, tapped a ball home, I think, uh, Knights keeper Ryan, He couldn't hold on to the initial save and, then you know, a bit of a scramble, but Etheridge was there too. Uh, knock at home, uh, pretty well-deserved because Kingston, I thought, looked genuinely better. Uh, after the break, you know, second half, they had the better of the chances, I thought, too. Even after, they were reduced to 10 men. So I think that happened in about the 70th-minute mark. And even then you're thinking, all right, you know, Kingston have shown promising signs, but, well, they're away, one all reduced to, you know, 10 men. The Knights have a man advantage. They'll score here and, you know, escape with the win. But again, it didn't, it didn't really... Happened. i mean kingston looked more threatening to more likely to score even though they were down a man and in the end they managed to claim the draw I, I, I wouldn't say that kingston hung on if anything it almost seemed like the knights were hanging on here in this one but i mean it's a good good result for kingston a good positive sign from them uh, really disappointing from the knights though as well I mean, in particularly, uh, when you're at the top end of the table, like, I mean, results like this against a team like Kingston, I mean, they sort of come back to bite you. You know, Kingston, I think, is sitting like 12th or something, and the Knights are third, so you surely you'd back them to, to get the three points there. But, I mean, come season's end, sort of looking back, I reckon they'll sort of circle this one as the one that got away, you know, a bit of a costly draw. And Will, I mean... Just a question. You might know a thing or two about costly draws, wouldn't you? I mean, maybe a team that's very close to your heart that'll be left to regret drawing, you know, one too many games this season. Uh, Anything you want to say about that?
0: I mean, I feel like you're baiting me into, like, a Dandenong City City one, but I know it's not because they're not getting any draws. Um, Um... Like well, it's, I get, I work? guess that I guess that because it's the final week of the Premier League and you're still as a Fulham fan in the Premier League, um, you're you're trying to bait me into Liverpool drawing too many games and losing the league. But you know what? Yep. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm happy <laughs> to finish. I'm happy to finish. I'm happy to finish second with 97 points. I'm I'm uh, happy with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, 100. Oh,
1: okay.
0: I think yeah. We'll talk about it. we'll talk about it in the second part. But I got a very good I've got a very good viewpoint on this. Wow, well
1: that, that's disappointing. I hope it be really there was, one anyway. thing I,
0: there was one thing I want to say about Melbourne Knights, though, is, you know, as much as, like, yeah, they're ticking away in third and they've got, uh, this is a sort of a drop points, you would see it for them, is that we're seeing it in the A-League. You, you've just got to get through to finals. Like, yeah. you, you probably don't have to win, you know, you can run away and win the league, kind of like what Perth did, but, you know, like you've just got to be in the finals mixer and I feel like when finals time comes around Melbourne Knights will probably flick the switch and they'll kind of go up an extra gear um yeah. so I think you know it's it's, it's probably one of those it's, a, it's still a weird league in Australia where you know because we've got that focus on the finals you've just kind of there's kind of no unless you win it there's kind of no disincentive of being second or sixth you know yeah. like
1: yeah well, the, I mean, t- taking a look at that angle, because I think that is a really good point, the, the downside there, though, is like, you know, the result just means that they knights sort of fall back to that chasing pack a little bit more. So, you know, I think they're now only three points clear of six and only four, or no more than that, actually. Um, Ah, uh, no, they're looking actually pretty good, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they're only three points clear of six, so, you know, maybe that result could be the difference between a home final versus an away yeah. final, but we've seen home home form doesn't necessarily translate too well in the NPL, but, no. I mean, there's a good point you make there, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, the other game, next game going on, a result for Bentley, Will, you had a look at this, tell me about it.
0: Yeah, it was a, another one was sort of saying Bentley, you know, not performing particularly well at the moment. Putting that down to maybe some um, some injuries and so on and so forth. But yeah, they came up against Daniel City, which are you know the most they're like the pinata of the NPL, incredibly beatable. Um, uh, but it was it, it was actually a strong start by Dandy City. You know, they, they created two great chances. I think we're seeing some a little bit lift in that sort of mental strength of them, and they're starting to get a little bit of belief. But Valentino Valentino Ul scored um, to put Bentley Greens in front. So a nice ball well played out from defence. Actually, he just runs onto it, shoots past Kennedy. Not a classic goal by any stretch of the imagination, but it's definitely harder to score than it is to miss. So you know, it's a, it's a good one for the um I'd say the personal YouTube reel. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, Dandy City they kept pushing, which was really impressive. You know that most of the chances in that game. Fell to Dandy City. Um, yeah, they're kind of looking there or thereabouts, but they don't need good performances now. They dead set just need points. Um, yeah. and I feel like Bentley Greens could have been one where they could have at least nabbed a draw, oh, if not better. Huge. Would have been,
1: been, huge. Would, um, have been would, would have been a massive result.
0: Yeah, but look, it was a better performance. So take the silver linings out of it. Bentley Greens, not sure where it sort of takes them. They're probably on the flip side. They're getting points, but not necessarily playing particularly well. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, I think, in three matches time where both of these teams sit. They're at completely opposite ends of the table, but I just feel like the fortunes of one are are going a different way to another where, you know, Dandy City might start to get some points off the back of better performances, but I think unless Bentley Greens start putting in better performances, they're just going to be languishing in that sort of mid to lower mid-table because they're just... They're getting by with results at the moment.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, I, you sort of mentioned the silver lining there for Dandy City as well. I mean, they lost, but it, they didn't look out of it at any no. stage. You know, they looked dangerous. They looked like... Well, not dangerous, because, I mean, it's hard to say that they've looked dangerous at any stage this season, but, like...
0: <laughs> Dangerously likely to go down. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: they... <laughs> They didn't seem out of it, you know. They no. seemed like they could get a goal from somewhere. But uh, I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, couldn't. Branson, having sort of watched a lot of um, a lot of football this year of a team that is destined for relegation, do you do you see that in Dandenong City at the moment, or do you see a little bit more fight?
1: Yeah, I'll take the high road here and I'll answer the question uh, without <laughs> having any sort of counter dig. Um, so, talking about Fulham, so, like, Fulham almost had a bit of a similar season where it's like, you know, these silver lining performances, you know, they're a positive, but, I mean, you mentioned it, at the end of the day, you need results, and yeah. that's that's sort of what I noticed happened with Fulham. You know, like, early in the season, they'd have, you know, a, a positive or two out of a game, but they would still lose, and then, you know, you get to halfway through the season, and you've got the worst record in terms of goals allowed in the Premier League and, you know, you're cut off from those teams above you and you've just got so much work to do. Yeah. And I think think Danby City are absolutely in that basket at the moment where it's like, you know, okay, they've got these sort of silver linings that are kind of shining through, but it's like you mentioned, um, they've got to start winning games and they're already, you know, well at risk of being cut off. And as soon as that happens, Mm. or cut away, sorry, and as soon as that happens, you know it's 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 pretty much game over. And yeah. you know
0: they've done the, they've done the right thing of you know managerial change and everything. But even with the managerial change, it's not sparked a run of points. Uh, it's still early as well. I think the second or third week. But it's like if you see that immediate feedback of new manager comes in, you start to get points. That's yeah. momentum. And it's like they've done that, and it's not really given them momentum yet. But anyway, we'll see do how do that do sort do of pans do out. Do of do
1: well, the only other little thing as well, sorry, just before we move on, is, you know, maybe they could pick up a player or two, you know, bring someone yeah. in and maybe that could help spark it, but not looking good.
0: Yeah. Um, not looking good as well was an excellent segue into South Melbourne getting beaten by Oakley, Cannons 2-0 at home, Branson. What went on here?
1: Well, can I just say that this, you know, entered, so we entered the game, it's a matchup of, what was it, the competition's two lowest-scoring teams, So, sort of came and going, you know, wondering where the goals were going to come from. So, it only seems sort of fitting that Oakley's first goal was actually scored by South. (laughs) It was was just like an absolutely farcical, you know, comical own goal sort of stuff. I don't know if you've seen it, mate, but pretty much so. The ball is rolling towards the South goal. South keeper, Roganovic, you know, sort of lines up to claim. it. you know, comes out, you know, top of the box... In position in the line of the ball to pick it up, uh, I think it's the South defender Jake Marshall. He sort of pokes at it as if he's going to play it back to the keeper, but because Roganovic had come out to pick it up, there was no one in the goal, so he had no one to play it back to. So the ball, the ball just sort of slowly rolls over the goal line, and Roganovic just has to kind of stand there and watch it roll.
0: <laughs> it was one of those. Yeah. Ones, we saw one last week of just the the slowest momentum goal I think I've ever seen, this was up there with it.
1: Oh, but it's just like, it's just one of those classic own goals where, you know, you just compl- he just just touches it and it's just, you go, oh, I don't know. That's not a great sentence there from me, but, you know, I, I can't... We get the with,
0: sentiment. <laughs>
1: yeah, like, it, well, I think that is the sentiment where you just sort of look at it. It's almost disbelief where you just go, how does that happen? And, you know, for South, it's sort of... Sums up their season as well because they are in massive, massive trouble. So they went down 1 0. Uh, Marcus DeManchi scored right at the death for Oakley again. It wasn't really a great goal. Uh, South couldn't clear their lines. I think DeManchi had like three or four gone three shots or something, you know, the first one was blocked, the second one was saved, and then the third rebound came to in and he eventually got the ball over the line. Um, the game itself really wasn't that exciting. I think the big key talking points from here, though, is what the result sort of means for for both clubs. So, I mean, if we, if we look at South, I mean, that's a terrible result. Let's be honest, uh, they're in major trouble. They've only mm. scored eight goals in 11 games. Uh, that's got to be a massive concern. Like, they've scored, they've scored fewer goals than Dandy City have. Yeah, Why? wow. But, you know, some but, but somehow they've also won three games, so I think they've just won a lot of 1-0s, but it's like, you know, if you're not scoring, you can't win. And, and, I mean, they've had some pretty uninspiring performances this year. I think this was this was another one. And, again, you know, I, I don't really know exactly what the problem is, but they've just sort of seen... Disorganized. Mm. They don't seem I'd... to sort of like be meshing too well. They don't look like a team that's sort of on the same page or has a real game plan. Yeah, and sort of
0: I've a... I've sort of been looking at them in comparison because I agree with you. I don't really know what the, it's not. I feel like it's a death of a thousand cuts with South Melbourne, where there's just lots of little things that are making them not perform. But you yeah. look at them in context to like a a Heidelberg or a, an Avondale, and I just go. They don't have the personnel, and they don't have that innate understanding of each other's playing style. They're not that there doesn't seem to be a clear ethos that everyone is playing to there, and a real sort of leader grabbing the the sort of the team by the scruff of the neck and, and sort of ilking performances out of them. They just seem to be eleven people running around, sort of understanding that the ball needs to go in the back of the net, and it's easier to score to from inside the thirty yards. Yeah, but like you know, that there's no real sort of like. I get they understand the basics of football, but there's no real, like, fluidity or or sort of purpose behind their play.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, on the flip side, though, looking for Oakley, um, I mean, they get the result, they get the win, despite looking rather unimpressive in their own right. But, I mean, we'll just take the points from it, because it's a pretty big result in terms of yeah. the table, because it jumps them up to eight points. They're now with a win of South and Paco, so... I think they're on eight points south and Paco are on 11. So, you know, they're only one win away from getting out of that relegation zone, uh, which they've been in, you know, pretty much the entire season. So, I mean, they're within touching distance of safety. And, you know, we were talking about City before and and Fulham, and, you know, that touching distance of safety, I reckon, is the key. Because as soon as you start, you know, needing to have, you know, two wins or three wins or multiple results go your way to catch up. You know, that's that's hard to do. Mm. And you know, Oakley have sort of bridged that gap a little bit. And you know, despite not looking great themselves, they've got a chance of you know climbing climbing up the table this year. So I yeah. think that's got to be that can't be understated for them.
0: Yeah, no, it was a it was a, it was a good performance from Oakley, I thought, um, but it against a pretty lacklustre South Melbourne. Uh, the final match of the round was Green Gully one. Hume City nil, surprising result after the FFA Cup. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> result. Well,
0: well, not after it was before, but you know, the surprising result. Thinking, you know, oh, Hume failed to score in this game. It's like, well, yeah. World. <laughs> and then
1: and then managed to put five past Heidelberg. Yeah, crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, but look, there wasn't too much in this one. Um, Green Gully one 0 I probably could have scored a couple more. By missed a goddamn sitter though from about five yards for Green Gully. I think it's miss of the round. Um, is one that's sort of playing in at the back post. He's running onto it and side-foots the ball and it somehow stops and, and goes borderline behind him. And you're like, how have you managed that? <laughs> really quite impressive. Um, but there was a the goal that they did get. Um, you know, it was nothing too sort of miraculous. There was a, another sort of chance. Nick Kalmar had to put a ball in from wide. Um, Daniel Jones gets that one I mean it was just sort of you know Hume City they created good chances but they never really tested Um, they never really tested Green Gully in a meaningful manner and I was sort of wondering you know this was another game where it was slow to sort of start everyone sort of looked like they weren't playing the same way they were three rounds ago I was wondering if to see if we were getting a couple of tired legs from some of these cup runs and, and sort of you know anything that we can attribute to that, Branson? Do you think there's anything that's sort of saying you know mid-season lull from a couple of these teams?
1: Well, I reckon cut runs is is key. I reckon another one though is you know personnel and injuries. You know, mm. so we're eleven weeks in. I know um, that Avondale have been hyping up you know on their platforms how healthy they are and how everyone in their squad is fit and raring to go. And then so you compare that to a Bentley have a lot of injuries at the moment and have played you know a bunch of you know uninspiring games where you know they've got results but they haven't really looked that good so I think you know that sort of physical toll where you know you're getting into week 11 plus those cup games and you're starting to get a few more players get you know a couple of knocks a couple of niggling injuries that kind of thing so I think that's got you know a bit a, a bit to do with it you know I mean what do you reckon?
0: Yeah I think it's definitely just I think there's also a little bit of mental sort of Side to it as well, you know. Hume City, maybe they had one eye on the FFA Cup game midweek. You know, maybe they yeah. just, they just kind of they just looked flat in this game, and and so yeah. I wonder if there's also like there's that combination of that physical, but also just that mental of, you know, cup runs are fun. I think every player wants to go deep into a cup competition. Yeah. And So maybe there's one eye on that Wednesday fixture. I'm not too sure, but you know, it's just one thing I saw across the games this week.
1: Well, I mean, talking about one eye on the cup runs, I reckon there's got to be. You know, because I know players and coaches will always say, oh, you know, we take it one game at a time. Mm. You know, we're only focusing on our next opponent. But how can you? Because, like, you know, so Heidelberg... Well, so let's look at Hume, you know. So they play Green Gully, what was it, the Friday night? Mm Mm-hmm. So they play that on the Friday night, and then they've got Heidelberg on Tuesday, and then they've got another game this weekend. So I think Avondale have three games in seven days. I think Heidelberg, Hume have three games. I think it's... Oh, yeah, no, it would be or seven or eight days, but, you know... Yeah, that kind in of a week. Thing. So it's like, yeah. how can you have three games in eight days and not be looking forward to a game after that? Or, you know, so, like, I know coaches and that sort of stuff would say, no, 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 we're only focusing on this one, but I reckon I reckon you're right, where, you know, even if it's just, you know, personnel and player loading, you know, taking yeah. a striker Particularly off... Particularly when you earlier. don't have these
0: luxurious squad deaths of some of the more professional clubs... Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you've
1: got to you've got to use
0: your, you put your best eleven players on the park.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know if 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 you know you've got another couple of games coming up in a short period of time, you know you take some of your better players off, or or you rotate the squad through a little bit more. So I reckon that might have have something to do with it.
0: Yes, I'm sure it does. And look, that's the end of the review section of the show. Join us back in a minute, where we'll start jumping into some of the more fun and light hearted parts of football in part two of the Semi Pro body. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to part two of the Semi-Pro Potty, where we take a little bit of a look around the world and, you know, stretch our gaze beyond the NPL and have a look at football and and sort of semi-professional things from around the world. So we normally kick off with a segment that's called That's So NPL, where we look at some things that are maybe happening in the professional world that are a little bit amateur. Branson, what have we got this week?
1: Well, I think that's a good, a good little segue there because I reckon we should probably just rename the segment rather than that's so NPL, that's so semi-professional. You know, give the NPL a bit of credit here, and we'll just talk about things that we saw that remind us of semi-professional football as a whole. You know, from professional teams. So, yeah, cool. Uh, the things uh, we yeah. love. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Funny things, and off the bat, I saw this uh, during the week. It was an absolute classic. So you know, Norwich City one promotion to the to the Premier League after finishing on top of the championship. Obviously, big deal. City's going bananas, so they're like, all right, cool, we've won promotion, let's have a parade. Excellent, you know, great idea. So, mid-parade, though, the uh, bus breaks down, so the players <laughs> had to get off the bus to help push it, which I just thought was an absolute classic. Right? That is so good. Imagine that, you know, you, you've won promotion, you've got the high, you know, you've got the trophy up there, all of a sudden, bus breaks down, next minute... Given you're push. on,
0: you're on pushing duty. I, I kind of like that. Maybe there's now. It's also the birth of a new tactic of instead of you know the Mourinho era of parking the bus, there's now pushing the bus. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: it. That's, that's really good. I really like that. No, too. That should be their new uh. And <laughs> we're not parking the bus, baby. We're, we're pushing, pushing it. it. Or even, even then, if you know their opposition parks the bus, they can say, hey, don't worry, guys. We're we've got we've... bus pushing experience. We'll just push the bus over and we'll score anyway.
0: We've done this once. We'll do it again. Yeah, that's um, it.
1: That's it. Excellent. What about you? Anything that uh, struck your uh, yeah struck your eyes particularly semi professional? A
0: couple of things. Um, I think this is deeply rooted in a semi professional age, but it was in the it was in New South Wales. And the so uh, there's now been a bit of writing that's been done on it. It just looked like a fan had walked onto the pitch and red carded the referee, but it turns yeah. out it was an ex referee wearing a wrestling mask, like a, a Mexican wrestling mask, to cover his face walks onto the pitch to red-card the referee. And I'm like, that's great. Like, if you're going to be a pitch invader, don't do that thing that that moron did against Jack Grealish where you fucking coward punch a footballer. Go on there in a Mexican wrestling mask as a referee and card the referee. All for it. Love it. Well, totally.
1: Yeah, I don't know. The the referee didn't really react. And then one of the players, I think he tried to (laughs) undo the mask (laughs) as well. And he did. But the fact that the guy was a referee is pretty pretty phenomenal apparently he was actually protesting the treatment of referees yes so bit of a weird way to do it but i'm not sure what he was
0: protesting was he protesting that you know i don't know but i like there are there are right ways to protest and there are wrong ways i like this way a lot it involves my loves of football and wrestling and cards well
1: he he, he picked a very (laughs) semi-professional manner to to protest in and you know we're all about that uh Slide tangent here, I just want to talk about something that's not so semi-professional that I saw in the MPL this Ooh, week. A little bit
0: fancy, a little bit 21st century.
1: A little bit, and I will put a disclaimer. I don't know if it's the first time it's happened this year, but it was the first time that I had seen it, so I was pretty impressed. But the referee at the Avondale, our game had a can of magic spray that they used to mark <laughs> the spot for three kicks. How that was World of that? Cup territory. I'm, that's it, I'm like, is this actually the Premier League slash World Cup? You know, like what are we what are we doing here? You know, so he's using it to mark, you know, where the wall goes and everything, all that sort of stuff. I mean, this is this
0: the bloody is this the is this the beginning of the end, Branson? Is this
1: The beginning of the end? Yeah. Nah, are nah. we
0: about to are we about to see bloody VAR in MPL games? Nah. Just you know, referee up, runs buddy. over the sideline, there's someone with a laptop and YouTube streaming the game and bloody <laughs> 15 minutes later, we find out that someone's an inch offside. God.
1: Nah, nah, none of that. <laughs> Although, I, w- one thing that I will say about this is it did look like a can of magical spray, but it very well, you know, being heavy so in professional football, the referee could have just, I don't know, had a can of shaving cream that he brought from <laughs> home. And, and he's like, you know what, we haven't got this magic spray. I want to bring it in. I haven't got any. Shaving cream, you know, he just goes, yeah, close enough, that'll
0: work. I would have, yeah. I would have loved it more if it was dairy whip, you know, a really yeah. shitty whipped cream <laughs> in a can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, whatever, whatever it was, uh, oh, oh, you know, nice I, like it. I thought it was
1: good. I thought it was good. A little yeah. bit, a little bit of class there, I
0: thought. Hmm. Um, my one jumping up to the northern hemisphere, Scunthorpe um, uh, and Plymouth. I think yeah, it was Plymouth Argyle. Plymouth yep. Argyle that's Scunthorpe. Two things out of this one. and I know you're going to mention one of them later on, so I'll, I'll save it, or you can yep. mention after this if you want. I don't want to steal your thunder. But the, the the goalkeeper for Plymouth has injured himself, but he's got the ball. So he's yep. sort of on his haunches, and he gets the ball, and he goes to throw it out. And kind of on the same trend as the Bielsa leads sort of thing last week, <laughs> the Scunthorpe player goes, no, screw this, I'm not... Honoring you, trying to put this out for a throw-in, runs onto it and then lobs the keeper.
1: And to be fair, it's a pretty good shot as well. It's, <laughs> it's a, a great shot, like, shot. It's by the touchline and it's you know within the penalty box distance of the goal line. That's a really awful description, but you know he's relatively close, oh. so he's not got a great angle to get it in. Yeah,
0: if Lionel Messi scores it, we're waxing lyrical for weeks on end.
1: Yeah, but old mate for Scunthorpe doesn't. And I mean, <laughs> I will i will be fair, in his defence, Scunthorpe and plymouth they were in the midst of a mega relegation battle. Uh, so Scunthorpe, all, literally all on the line. I think if they'd won that... Uh, they had a chance of jumping out of the relegation. Yeah, but they zone. still
0: managed to lose it. Like, even with a yeah, mildly yeah. unethical, dubious goal, yeah. they've, they've <laughs> still managed to bottle it. So I think they're destined for um relegation, yeah. those guys. Yeah,
1: well, well, in the end, both teams ended up getting relegated, both Plymouth and Scunthorpe. Plymouth won, but they go down. But anyway, yeah, that was that was so good. So good, good, good.
0: Um, hey, uh, Southern yeah. United, mate. Yeah. Give us an Did update.
1: They Did they win? Mm. What no, do you reckon?
0: No, if they didn't win.
1: No, you're quite correct. They did not. They suffered a eleven nil loss.
0: And I believe that's uh, with the new goalkeeper, correct?
1: Uh, I'm not too sure. Don't know if new goalkeeper played, but uh to be honest, I didn't check the match center. Uh but eleven nil loss at home to nice. South Melbourne. A very unfortunate. Uh, just
0: just a thought. Them. I know that it probably doesn't work well with the offside rule, but what if instead of having one goalkeeper they had two and you acknowledge that your other goalkeeper your second goalkeeper can't use their hands? Because that's still pretty useful.
1: Yeah, yeah, like someone there to just permanently block shots.
0: Yeah, just two people on the post at all times actually, screw yeah. it, have three.
1: Yeah, I mean, good. I don't know if it would. The offside, it does.
0: It like the offside trap gets very difficult. Yes.
1: Yes. I mean, it could. It could. Anyway, uh, but you know, the the big bad the big bad news from the weekend was wasn't just Southern United's loss, but the team above them on the table, Senior NTC, had a win. Senior so NTC. They are
0: completely anchored to the bottom now, aren't
1: they? Yes. Well, Southern United are now six points clear, which is. May as well be seven because their goal difference is 80 behind, so it's seven points, let's say that. So, I mean, tough for them to climb off the bottom from here, mate. Imagine if they did, that'd be so impressive. Um, On a serious note though, mate, uh, you got up to a bit of a midweek activity last week uh, and had a look at some of the more serious side of football and semi-professional football and the NPL and everything that's going on in this code, in this country during the week. Tell me all
0: about it, mate. What would you get up to? Yeah, so I was about to not go, actually. I can't can't remember when I signed up for it, but it was the Football Victoria Community Forum, and I thought it would just be something, you know, get involved in a couple of footballing events, see what happens. Little did I know it was pretty much the entire board of the FFA and the New League's working group and everything, um, hosted by Zappers and Peacock um, from Fox Sports and everything, and it was a really, really... Good session. Um, I think what it does more than anything is it just promotes promotes a little bit of transparency in football. I think it's something we've been yelling out for a long time. The yeah. FFA has operate operated behind closed doors, and you know they ask us for this undying support and understanding, but you know they just we ask questions, we don't get answers. So I think this is a very big step in that direction of having some community forums, and you know they they didn't shy away from a lot of questions. You know, I think they. They've obviously got some party lines that they're towing, but, you know, it was sort of broken into four key areas. I missed the first 20-odd minutes of it, but they were sort of talking about, you know, what is the next four years looking like for football in Victoria and
1: Australia. Yep. Yeah, so, so what was the main taking point?
0: Yeah, so I think, like, from that area, I think, uh, you know, that sort of next four-year plan, they were talking a lot about sort of the improving the sort of national curriculum better, but also focusing on coaching. So making sure that coaches are qualified, making sure that coaches are getting their certificates and they're getting supported throughout that. Um, So improving the level of, I think, um, coaching and just administration within the game. Um, Also, the FFA being way less involved in the A-League for two reasons. Obviously, we don't really want them involved in the A-League, so they've kind of got a little bit of a, you know last year of FIFA getting involved and saying this is not how you run a league and so on and so forth but also what it does is by them not being involved in the day-to-day of the A-League it means that they can start putting resources towards other parts of the game that may need it so classic example is the new leagues working group you know resources for that are going to go to it there was even a really good question around the history of Australian football you know getting a museum up and running you know getting online resources published and saved and like an archive set up and everything. So, yeah, yeah. by turning their attention away from having to manage the league, they can start to pull resources into other areas, you know, getting the second division up and running, all those sorts of things. So, that was one part of it. That was really interesting. Then they sort of tackled fees in general, you know, player fees. Are they going to be capped? Well, what's the cap going to be? Um, so on and so forth. And a couple of really interesting ones that they said, you know, they, they were sort of more looking at going, it's not just about making it cheaper, it's also about improving the value. So in an ideal spectrum to them, I think what they're looking at doing is they're probably looking at making fees less rigid so that clubs can charge what they want to charge, but also making sure that the fees are representative of the value of players. So instead of youth team players spending $1,400, $1,500 on a membership for a club, and all of that goes to the senior team, making sure that when people are forking out money for their... The memberships—they're actually getting that back in value.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's key. I mean, with anything, but you know, whenever you're asking people to invest money, and in in football, you know, there's a lot of talk going around about how much money that really is. It, it's getting something back from that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's essential. And I mean, you know, whether that's you know getting coaches. I know you mentioned you know accreditation. You know, you're paying for quality coaching and and quality learning and insight and that sort of stuff. You know, that's pretty. That's pretty important as well, but that's obviously going to be key.
0: Yeah, no, and then look after that, they sort of went to looking at more the second division and the A-League, and this was the bit that I found really interesting because um, we're crying out for the second division. that They've definitely got it in their roadmap. Is it four years away? I, I probably don't think so, but I think there's a lot of wheels in motion for the next four years that enable the, the three to four after that. Um, one thing that I got out of it that was really interesting was the way that they see the A-League. So... They eventually do want relegation, but they've got to the point where they sort of admitted that the, the perfect size of the A-League is 16 teams. So that yep. gives them, what is it? Um,
1: well, 13 games, 30-game season, you know, everyone plays each other twice, 15, 30, so that's a good that's a good time frame. We've got 27 games at the moment.
0: Yeah, so they're the sort of looking at 16 teams, and what I got was that, the Western United bids and the Southwest Sydney or whatever it is bids, they said something they were like, what we can't do is, if we're going to have promotion relegation, we can't go to an investor and say, hey, you need to invest, you know, $50 million into this club and you could get relegated in a year. Yeah. So yeah. I think what they're going to do is they're going to fill the fill the 12 teams with, you know, new franchises, but I think the other four are going to come from currently existing clubs that so there's a meeting in the middle so the second division gets better and you know there's maybe five or six front runners there and so that when the A league needs to expand less uh, next they're not going to be bringing in clubs that aren't ready to play in that second division yeah, so they're and... going to bring in clubs that understand what that that current second division of Australian football looks like so that realistically i think in the FFA's mind is that an A league club will not get relegated in the first year
1: no you, you no and you know, we've sort of spoken about it before. I think that would just be an absolute disaster for mm-hmm. a team such as Melbourne City or a Central Coast, or even potentially Brisbane, yeah. like just being able to survive. Uh, just talking about, you know, like a second division. Another thing that I reckon would be really interesting was, like, you know, if there are expansion bids or coming in, uh, if we've got a national second division, they can start off playing in that. I know that AFL yeah. did that when they brought in uh, the Gold Coast Suns and. GWS, they were playing in like, you know, the VFL before they joined the AFL. So like, imagine Western United running around in the NPL this season, you know, yeah. or something like that, yeah. or Southwest, MacArthur, you know. So like, Western United have already signed some players, you know, something like that where they can sort of, you know, uh, get their team together, get their squad going. Yeah, and it's not to a cold a bit start. Of momentum. Yeah, you so then you've got a bit then, of time
0: to build that community relationship
1: as well. Yeah, you know, that community relationship, it gives, it, you know, it's an easier pathway to fans to jump on sooner, but also, like, it sort of gives the team the best possibility to try to succeed on the field straight away, mm. you know, because they've sort of got that relationship that, you know, they're playing. You know, like Valentino UL, you know, he's playing for Bentley, but imagine if he was playing in the NPL for Western United, you know, yeah, and I think... Their coaches or, or their reserve sides or, or whatever, but he was playing in some sort of Western United capacity. I think that could be a big thing that that helps, and, you know, if you're a franchise, maybe you can't buy a franchise into the A-League, but you have to, you know, enter through this second division and then earn promotion.
0: I know that they put a video of it up. Have a listen to it, everyone, because it was actually quite an interesting forum, and I think, again, if the biggest takeaway that we get is that there's now a lot more transparency between, you know, at a board level, the FFA and the supporters on the ground, um, you know, what the main takeaway from everyone there was that there's so much passion for this game in Australia and, and we're 100%. all willing We're all willing to roll up our sleeves and make it the best that we can, but we need that leadership from the front. I think they're trying. I may or may not agree with some of the ways that they're doing it, but at least they're being transparent with how they're doing it. And yeah. when we field questions, they're answering it. And whilst I might disagree with the approach that they're taking, they've at least considered it, I think that they've got more resources than they did five years ago to start making informed business decisions. Yeah.
1: And, um, and, and the key, and the key with their transparency as well is like you know we as fans have an idea of the direction that the league's going in yeah. or the direction that they want to go in. Hmm. They need to
0: it's commit. Different. They need to commit to goals and dates. Though. That was the big frustration I got out of a lot of the. And I mean, I'm very green to this. Like I can smile and be like, oh my god, they talk, they spoke to us. It means that they know what they're doing. It's like take off those rose tinted glasses for a second. I think a lot of people are going like, yeah, cool. We've had these conversations for 15 years and we've seen zero to you know nominal action taken out of these words. So, yeah. you know, the ball was in their court, though, but it was a really, really good forum, really liked it, and I think it's also a nice segue into the section that we sort of round off this area with Branson of what we liked over the last couple of weeks. So, what have you got, Branson? Kick us off.
1: Well, firstly, I just want to say, you know, what I liked or kind of disliked is how quickly my mates were willing to post pictures of me looking sad on Fox Sports. So... For those who haven't seen it, I went to the City-Adelaide game as a City fan, took a bus there, all that sort of stuff. You know, Adelaide scored right at the death in extra time. I think it was like two minutes after they scored, just before the final whistle, Fox Sports cut in and it's me. They're looking very dejected in the City area. Uh, I, but I think Will, you posted on Twitter you're like, "Oh my gosh, does anyone have, <laughs> like, does anyone have this photo?" And then the people who replied were, you know, some of my best mates, and they replied within like a minute, and they had screenshots, they had video. I'm like, "Ah, oh, great!" It Cheers. was
0: so yeah. good. Everyone Cheers. who's involved in that moment of my life, thank you so, from the bottom so, of my heart.
1: <laughs> so, well, so well done to my mates for having that and then being really, uh, sorry, willing to roast me uh, so quickly. So, shout out to them. Well done.
0: Stitch up. I do also want to do a picture book of just times you look despondent, or like, or, just, or just different emotions of of you around football because you 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 wear your heart on your sleeve with football. I love it very much. And uh, yeah, don't mistake the uh, the piss take that we have for not enjoying every moment of watching football with you. But yeah. I just want to get a, yeah. a picture book together of a nice coffee table book.
1: Yeah, I just want one of my teams to be good, you know. And I thought it was full of my... See everything I have in football is sort of destroyed very quickly. You know, Liverpool looked like they were going to lose the league and, you know, that was great. That I was happy for a moment. And then they come up with this incredible Champions League win and then, you know, crushed straight away. Fulham get promoted, yes. Brands on a high. Lol jokes, first season, relegated. You know, <laughs> like it's just constant, you know. Melbourne Heart going nowhere. Oh, great, taken over by Manchester City. That's excellent. Lol jokes. City <laughs> have no soul. You know, like, oh, great. You know, yeah. everything that looks good then turns... Really bad, but anyway, Will, what would you do.
0: like? It's what we do with football. Um, this week, I absolutely loved doing my first interview with an absolute gentleman of the game, Marcos Flores. If you haven't listened to it, just listen to it for no purpose other than to just hear him talk about football. Um, that was probably the most enjoyable hour and a half of my life of just sitting down and talking about someone who has so much passion and is able to articulate how football makes them feel and, and and how it sort of makes this world a better place to live in. So that was an absolute joy, privilege, pleasure. The rush well, of doing it was amazing.
1: And definitely well worth listening to as well. Another thing that I liked about... Oh, sorry, pardon me. Another thing that I liked about that as well was Marcus Flores uh, taking the photo of you when you're in the (laughs) back. I don't know what you're doing. He's taking a selfie and you're like on the ground tying your shoelace (laughs) or something. But I just thought that was a ripper photo. Ah, Yeah, good one.
0: Yeah, it was great. I loved it. That was my favourite too. Um, Bran, what's the next one from you? Uh,
1: Well, mine's a dislike, what I... Didn't like uh, Kingston City's kit on the weekend. So this
0: segment, really... France, I'm sorry, this segment is so easy. It's what did we like and you've gone, yeah, yeah no.
1: Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've just realised that I've got two negatives off the bat. But that's all right. right, <laughs> we've, got, we've got a couple of good ones. Anyway, uh, it was a grey kit with a grey back, but then they had a white number on the back of that grey kit. Yeah, that's trash. And it was impossible to say. I think the commentators mentioned it as well. But I was just sort of looking at that going, who thought that was a good idea? Yeah. But anyway, what about you, mate?
0: Um, I liked Branson watching, how was it, five games? Or did five you have some Yale A-League on there as well? The fight, yeah, yeah, okay. So you had six games live streaming on your Friday night. Which yeah. is, like, this is the annoying thing. is I'm single and I didn't do that. And I just think that's a really single-guy thing to do. And, like, yeah. I'm just a bit shattered that it's like, you know, I'm... How 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 do you have a girlfriend when you've essentially been like, hey, NBN, check out me, I'm streaming six
1: games? <laughs> Shout-out to NBN for tweeting back at us, that's pretty good. <laughs> well, the, the key thing as well was I was technically working while we were doing that, so I did have the split screen going on, so I was technically working with, you know, one and... Uh, quite a long period two eyes fixed mainly on the NPL but anyway uh, one of the things that I did like I did like finally (laughs) was uh, Southkeeper Nikola Roganovic wearing a hat
0: yes and And not the only goalkeeper to be wearing a hat in that Plymouth Argyle game that goalkeeper basking in sunshine wearing a hat
1: yeah, and we've mentioned it before but I just always love a goalkeeper wearing a hat. I'd love the day when the goalkeeper comes out and says, Do "You know, I'm not going for the cap, I'm going for the SunSmart legionnaires or broad brim hat." Ooh, you know, no. be, I wanted, be... I want an Akubra. An Akubra. Oh. That could could happen but, still you know, my we,
0: beating heart.
1: We love goalkeepers in hats, so you know, shout out to him for wearing that. Um, another thing that I liked uh, Vincent company for taking a leaf out of the Heidelberg playbook and scoring a long-range banger, we know Heidelberg love a long-range goal. So Company scored a long-range banger and banged a nail into the coffin of Will's hopes and dreams of ever winning the Premier League. So I definitely liked Vincent Company doing that. Quick Can... tangent: I did write that before Liverpool won this morning. That's so... fine.
0: No, that's all right. But the other thing that I have is I'm I'm not. If you lose a league to a goal like that or saying obviously we haven't lost the league to that goal. You know, it's the course of the season and everything. But, like, that's a great goal. They play great yeah. football. Can't begrudge it. My big one is, though, and I was going to say this before, but I'd say it for this point. The, the reason why I'm not completely upset about Liverpool not winning the league is that, as a player, I feel like players care way more about trophies than I personally do. Like, trophies are great. Don't get me wrong. Champions League final will be amazing. It's very good, but... I have to get up at stupid hours of the morning to watch good football. Now, Liverpool have played essentially sixty good games of football this year, and if I'm not going to hold the Premier League trophy, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to like it's it's just not a thing for me. Like I think having it is great, but waking up at odd hours of the morning and being able to watch a full season of excellent football, I'm not too begrudged by that. I don't I don't get too butt hurt by it.
1: Oh, well, I just want to say as well, you know, it really annoys me that it doesn't annoy you that you're going to lose the league. That makes it even yeah. worse. You yeah, know? Because like, like... I'm, I'm so bitter about being relegated and you're so not bitter. Oh, quick tangent, though. So Liverpool in the Champions League final. Hey, mate, what happened last time Liverpool in the Champions League final? How'd they go?
0: Um, well, we lost, but I mean...
1: Oh, uh, yeah, moving on. All right, let's take a look at <laughs> <laughs> the... Great, great segment. It's segue, sorry.
0: Yeah, great segue to the end of the segment, actually. Um, so, look, go. that's the end of part two. Obviously, we just go on tangents and ruin whatever sort of form of you know structure we have for this podcast, but end of part two is done. Join us back in a couple of moments, so we'll go through part three, which is the preview section, looking up at this weekend's fixtures. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to part three of episode 13 of Semi-Pro Potty. Well, we take a look at the upcoming fixtures this week. Friday night, we kick off with Bentley Greens versus Port Melbourne and Dandy City versus Kingston City. Branson, what have we got on the Saturday? Uh,
1: Saturday, we've got a four-peat of fixtures. We've got Hume City taking on the Melbourne Knights, Heidelberg versus Avondale, Altona versus South Melbourne and Dandy Thunder taking on Green Gully.
0: And closing us out on Sunday is Oakley Cannons versus Pasco Vale. And we've also got Southern United. They are taking on Bullying Lions, who are very good at football. 5pm on Sunday at the Veneto Club.
1: Yeah, it should be good loaded week there. Can I just say as well, just quickly, I do much prefer this week's uh, fixture structure than to what it was last week. You know, the five <laughs> games on the Friday night. Whilst that was mega, you know, and it's kind of cool in its own right, I do think that this one's a little bit better, a little bit more spread out. You know, having said that, though, I think all four of those Saturday games are actually Saturday night games. Yes. So again, like, it just kind of makes it hard when there's a few games that you want to try to get to or even that you want to try to watch, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's like if we go, for example, to the Hume City game, you know, there's no way that we can then get to a later game or, or watch another one, but, you know... I, I do think it's a little bit better structured this weekend, so I do like that.
0: Yeah, um, match of the round, mate. I think we're in agreement with this one. I think everyone listening to the podcast, when we ran through those fixture lists, I think it sort of stands out on its own. Heidelberg versus Avondale. How big is that one going to be? Uh,
1: I mean, it's it's going to be mega, and I mean, I don't want to overstate it because at the end of the day, it's a round twelve clash. But like, I just think it's it's first versus second. You know, Avondale have had. Pretty much an answer to all comers this season, yet to lose. They're taking on Heidelberg, who's a club that they've really struggled to square off against last year. Like, Heidelberg really were kind of their kryptonite. Avondale are even better this year. So, I just think this game's going to be mega for both teams, just because, you know, if Heidelberg get the result, then, you know, Avondale obviously look a little bit more more vulnerable, and Heidelberg will close that gap on the top. But then at the same time, if Avondale can get the win and sort of move on from not the disappointment of last year, but like sort of get over that psychological hurdle of being able to account for Heidelberg. Mm. I think that would just be insane for them, you know, mentally to be like, all right, boys, you know, not only are we having a better season this year than we were last year, we've been able to beat a team who we struggled to beat as well. And then the flip side is if Avendale do get the result, nine points clear on top of the table. That's massive.
0: Yeah, big one. Uh, Look, at the very least, I think there'll be goals in it, and it'll be a really exciting game of football. Um, So we'll get George to pick the winner of that game. Um, He chose the Heidelberg-Port game last week, and he picked Heidelberg, so maybe he could be on for two in a row with
1: Heidelberg. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, He went right for the first time as well, I believe. Uh, which is you know a little bit of a, a unique thing for george but he's in the black you know he's now picking more winners than he is losers so that's a good sign for the big fella so we'll see uh, we'll see who he picks for this week Should and the topic
0: one. of on, on the topic of losers we are going to lose you guys now because we're at the very end of episode 13 of the semi pro potty thanks very much for listening this week and you know if you haven't listened to the interview yet, Give that one a listen. Um, you know, Let us know what you think of these interviews because we want to do them more often, more frequently. They're a great insight into some players and also just semi-professional football in general. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at semi potty. Keep the chat up, guys. We love talking to you guys. Um, and thank you very much for joining us in episode 13.